This edition of The Standard is brought to you by the AXA Startup Angel Competition. I'm Sharma Dean Reed, founder and CEO of The Stack World, and I'm here to help you turn your business dream into reality. There are six chances to win the competition, including two top prizes of £25,000, mentoring from myself and leading UK founders, plus business insurance for a year, thanks to AXA. Go to standard.co.uk forward slash AXA Startup Angel for details on how to enter and complete your entry by the 2nd of June, 2024. Good luck. ES Audio. From the Evening Standard in London, I'm Rachel Abbott and this is The Leader. Today, we're giving you some bonus content taken from our business show, How to Be a CEO. An opportunity to hear from the most powerful people behind some of the world's biggest brands. This is a cut down version of the full episode. To hear the full thing, hit the link in the show notes. Find a new episode of How to Be a CEO every Monday morning. And why not give it a rate and follow whilst you're there? Now, let's begin. What happens when you realise you've accidentally created a powerful brand that you now want to turn into a business? You don't necessarily start out to start a business, but you start out to fix a problem and you realise quite quickly that you're not the only person with that problem and there's an obvious opportunity as a result. This is an invitation to meet Ella Mills, founder of wellness brand Deliciously Ella, one of the biggest and most varied plant-based health brands in the country. We alone as a brand have got have had 3 million people in the UK buy our products in the last six months. This is a story about creating a business from a passion project and making it work even if you have to do some things in reverse. I think we have done things probably in quite an unconventional manner across the board. I'm John Weeks from The Evening Standard. Now, let's head back to 2011. Ella Mills was at university struggling with her health, and despite being prescribed a cocktail of medication, nothing was working to tackle her conditions. What she did next would not only improve her health, and she says help her recover from the conditions that made her so ill, but also help her create a hit brand and lead her into a lucrative business. So Ella, first of all, here we are 10 years after you launched Deliciously Ella, Did you ever think in your wildest dreams, 10 years from now, I'm going to have such a successful and varied business as you actually do today? No. And I feel it's one of those things that when people say, oh, I never expected it to happen, it always sounds a bit, maybe a bit forced, a bit inauthentic, but genuinely not in my wildest expectations would we be where we are today. I think both on a personal and professional level for such a kind of huge multitude of reasons I think first of all and like my parents would be the first people to attest to this like I was not an ambitious person at all you know I'm one of four siblings like if you'd said to my parents oh which of your children will start a company like who by 30 will have 50 people in their team like no one would have said Ella and so I think that was kind of the first part and I think the second part is also when I started Delicious Ella 10 years ago what we do now was so weird it was so niche and I think it feels really extraordinary to say that because now plant-based is absolutely everywhere there's a huge growing interest in health and well-being and a really clear association between the way that we live our lives and our health And that just didn't exist 10 years ago. What we were doing seemed very weird, very niche, very strange, so far out of the mainstream that the idea also that we could have built a business with this as the focus and it 
be as mainstream as it is also feels quite extraordinary. Going back to the start, can you tell us about Deliciously Ella? Because originally it was just a blog, wasn't it? It was, and it wasn't meant for anybody else. And I think that's the kind of irony of the whole thing. So I started it, um, yeah, April 2012. I'd been really unwell. I'd spent about a year in our various hospitals having every test under the sun, every ultrasound, MRI, you know, endoscopy, everything to rule out all sorts of things. And I was diagnosed with a few conditions, but the, the main one um, affected the functioning of my autonomic nervous system. And actually, for the first time, I feel like you can kind of semi describe it by likening it to long COVID, which was this extraordinary chronic fatigue. I mean, I literally couldn't get out of bed. I had um, loads of immune problems. I had so many infections. I spent three and a half years in antibiotics, had to go into hospital for antibiotic drips. I had really chronic stomach problems. I mean, I looked more pregnant when I was ill than I did at seven and a half months pregnant with my daughter. I also couldn't control my heart rate, my blood pressure. Um, I'd black out. Um, I'd be so dizzy I couldn't walk. I mean, it was it was horrendous and, and obviously had a huge toll on my physical health, but actually then ended up having a massive toll on my mental health. And after about a year of trying every medication that the doctors had to offer, you know, I was 21, I tried beta blockers, steroids, antacids, you name it nothing had really made a huge difference. And I became very, very interested in lifestyle and um, in the way in which we live our lives and the effect that that has on our health and our well-being. But I couldn't cook. And, you know, again, it sounds so strange to say it now when healthy food is so kind of abundant. There are just an infinite number of resources, but plant-based wasn't a term that anybody had come across. I think it was about three to five percent of the population were buying into plant-based in in any way. In the UK now it's about 50%. So I mean it really was kind of on the fringes in that sense. And I realized on day one that if I was going to change my diet, if I was going to change the way I lived, I had to want to do it and I had to therefore feel sustainable like I had to want to do it day in day out and I think that's that's really a fundamental difference I think about healthy diet versus a diet in the conventional use of the word and so I set about teaching myself to cook and teaching myself to do that and that was why I started deliciousella.com but it was a personal project it wasn't intended to become anything else Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Obviously, you kicked off with social media, big on YouTube, food in the supermarkets, you've got your own restaurant, you've got a podcast yourself now. Um, what's that like, juggling so many different sort of elements of, of a business? Yeah, I think like busy is probably 
the the quickest way to describe it no it keeps it interesting to say the least but it is I think it it has it has its merits and it has its challenges I guess like anything doesn't it like it's been an extraordinary opportunity for growth and for learning um but equally it does it does mean that there's a huge amount going on at any one time the company feels like it never ever ever sleeps but I think that's probably the case for a lot of scale-ups and, and it's an exciting opportunity and an exciting moment, but it does, I mean, there's always a problem. And I understand recently you decided to buy out your investors, sort of go it alone. Can you tell us sort of what was the thinking behind that decision? What sort of prompted you to do it? Yeah, it was, it's an interesting one. So in 2017, we, um, the company was growing really, really fast. And like, I think a lot of companies in that sort of, position you need support with cash flow effectively and so we did we did need some investment so we took on a relatively small amount of investment and they owned sub 20% of the company and as with lots of investments you know five-year life cycle and there was a moment where there were kind of three options they could sell their shares which at that point in time for the journey of the company didn't feel like the right thing for us they could stay, but again, they could sell at any point. So that wasn't necessarily guaranteed. Or we could raise debt and buy them back. And we've always been quite passionate about running the business from profit. We have never used outside capital for growth. The outside capital was for cash flow and for the running of the business at that point. But ever since the business has been profitable and everything that we do has been profitable, which I know is actually a really unusual way to run a business. It feels like in this day and age where there's a huge celebration of extraordinary rounds of capital to fund unprofitable businesses, um, which yeah, it's the opposite of, of how we've wanted to do things. We've wanted to to grow from within our own means. But we we did we were profitable enough and successful enough to raise the debt to buy them out. So we decided to do that. And you know, I don't I don't know what the future holds, but at that point it definitely felt again, I think both me and my husband, he's our he's our CEO, feel like, you know, at this point, well we own the shares, we are the kind of guardians of of the company, of the brand. And we may be the right people forever. We, we might not be. But at that point, it very much felt that, that we would be. So it sort of counterintuitively was a way of protecting the business rather than, you know, it sounds like a risky move, but actually you did it to sustain the business going forward. We did, although we also did do it thinking, oh, we're coming out the end of COVID and then like smack Omicron comes and all the huge supply chain challenges and things at the moment. So yes, definitely have had a few moments where we thought, oh, that was a big decision and a big risk. But as you said, it's kind of taking one risk to safeguard another. And in terms of actually going about that, were there sort of awkward conversations? Was it quite simple? How was the process? Yeah, it was a mix actually. It was relatively simple. I think it's simpler than we thought it could have been, which was fantastic. But obviously, yeah, there's definitely a kind of absolutely terrifying personal moment in, in taking on that that amount of debt for the company. And I think any founder and, and CEO feels huge responsibility anyway every day to, to, for, to keep a business alive and well. It feels like a child in that sense. And so then taking on those extra layers of responsibility definitely takes a, a personal toll, I think, at moments. And would you say you've sort of reaped the benefits of that decision? Yeah, I think so. And I think the main thing for us was that element of control of knowing that, you know, we would shape the future of the company. Who knows what that will be? But 
but that that was our decision to make. And I think that was something that was very, very important to us both. That was Ella Mills, founder of Deliciously Ella. To hear the full interview, head on over to our How to Be a CEO podcast by clicking the link below. How to Be a CEO brings out a new episode at 5am every Monday morning. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.